Hey folks, welcome to the Arseholics podcast on a Monday night. I have uh, just one co-star with me today. His name is Aaronin. Hello, Aaronin. Hey, co-star. That's, uh, that's a good one. How are you? Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we all co-stars? No, Myers is also a co-star as well. And so are you. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the company. It depends on the company. Well, co-star, <laughs> yeah. If you're, my, if you're a co-star, I'm also a co-star. So obviously everyone, you've got Raj as well as, um, as, as per usual, I guess. So yeah, like um, it's a real contrast from recording at this time last season. This time last season, we were recording after our first game of the season, which was also a Friday night, which was also under the lights um, away from home. And we were uh, getting ready for a long season after losing 2-0 against Brentford and having half the team suddenly come down with this virus and injuries and God knows what. And it was a completely different story uh, this time round. A beautiful pre-season, which we covered in uh, our last episode, just built up to this away game at Crystal Palace under the lights on the opening day. We thought that the gods from Sky Sports had royally screwed us over by giving us another Friday night game, but it was redemption season. It was, you couldn't have scripted it any better. We lost 2-0 last season and we won 2-0 opening day um, this time round. The team, uh, you know, was far, far different. It was a lot more, you know, it was a, it was a very different team um, in terms of not just personnel, but, you know, where we are in our evolution. And we went to a team that we lost 3-0 to last season in a you know a really really tough uh, away game last season where where that really derailed a a crucial a crucial kind of point of our season and it's completely different tonight when we're reflecting on this 2-0 victory Aaron and how do you feel mate like you know it's just so bloody nice to open the season with a win isn't it yeah man i think i said in the last episode this I really wanted us to win this game over like if you look at the next five I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a, like as much if we lost one of the the upcoming games but this game we had to win purely for like the vibes <laughs> and um because you know this this is a bit of a story right like you said this was uh Friday night under the lights yeah Sky rolled out Carragher and Neville they were ready to to stick the knife in again they were ready to start dancing with the fans all over again. And um, I think we we had a good pre-season and what we needed was like one data point to say like, okay, do we have the potential to translate this into Premier League points? And um, we did it. We did it. You know, I think we probably, it probably didn't go as we imagined and we'll probably talk about this, but for the first 20 minutes, you know, I was like, this is, you know, we're going to win the Premier League. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, like, you know, reality kind of struck a little bit later on in the game. But just, we really, really needed to come away with three points then because, you know, there's, the tone it sets for the season is now so much more positive than the tone we had this time last season. Um, we've gone away to a, you know, a really good Crystal Palace side. Let's, and, you know, for the first half an hour, we made them look really ordinary. And again, we'll talk about this throughout the game, but you know, ultimately I think we, we stood strong and we came away with three points and a clean sheet. And that's three more points than we got last season in that same place. So um really, really happy, really excited to see what we do next and um, look forward to discussing it. Absolutely, man. I mean, listen, Palace lost four times last season at home only four times all those times it was only by one goal so to to do that like you said it's a tough place to go it's such a hard place to go it's i i was thinking about this before we went to palace i'd rather go away to somewhere like chelsea than i'd go away to palace and i don't know whether that's because we've actually got an okay record at chelsea but it's just such a tough fixture i i don't know what better way to put it it's it's um it's that there's something really unique about it. There's almost some kind of phenomenon about it. It's just a, it's a place you just don't want to go. So many teams have had their seasons derailed there. I remember when Liverpool were on the verge of winning the title. It was that, you know, when they had Suarez and at the end of the game, yeah. he was crying. I think they threw one. Up. You don't palace away just is. Oh. And you know what? It's also whatever said and done about great start to the season, this, that and the other to just get the fixture out the way. 
yeah is is brilliant you know there's we're not gonna get we're not gonna have another crucial part of the season where oh crap it's palace away that's gone now yeah <laughs> that's done isn't it yeah that and we just need to get i don't know when newcastle away is in the fixtures <laughs> we just need to get that one out of the system as well early hopefully and then um yeah we can crack on um no you're right i think yeah one thing that i think actually really helped us now i think about it is um the the signings especially of like jesus i mean jesus and uh zinchenko right these are this i think the premier league experience really helped here because if you had another a, a footballer that's come in from you know let's say spanish top division or you know from france for example from liga and they said we've got palace away he'd probably look at the table i don't know where palace finished like 12th or something so you're going away to the team that finished 12th last year you'd think oh this is like quite a straightforward game but with jesus with zinchenko i think they know right they know what palace away is they know it's tricky they know it's tough and i think that that one percent extra they probably give saying actually we can't treat these players like mugs you know we know how hard it is to come here and win we've done it i think those little things helped us get over the line as well just the fact that we know like no one underestimated that game we had to be on it from minute one to minute 90 and even then you know we got a little bit of luck but the mentality to be switched on when your first game of the season is um something that we shouldn't underestimate and we should really credit Mikel Arteta and the players for just going in with the right mindset because we've seen it so many times where we just don't look ready um and we definitely all the hard work in pre-season looked like it paid off on Friday night I completely agree it's a really good point about the mentality part and the advantage of signing players from the Premier League it's almost a bit like if you if you're signing a player from from another league they would look at the Premier League and 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 look and say oh you know who are the famous teams you know Arsenal Liverpool Man United also maybe reconcile that slightly with the league table and and still come in with the mentality that I think most leagues have which ultimately is that if you are one of these big clubs you, you probably are going to walk over teams that are 12th 13th 14th you know and below like those kinds of teams where Palace sort of finished in that region but if you're someone who who is from the Premier League you know you know Premier League's not like yeah. that you know even a four-time Premier League champion is going to know that you you have to be on the top of your game when you go places like Palace so it's a really good observation and I think we certainly saw that right but there there is a there is a slight contradiction to what you said, which is that there was someone who came from France <laughs> and had a yeah. had a storming game, storming game. We'll we'll go into for a second, but like I think, you know, I guess before we go into some of the players specifically that I know we want to touch on, and and you know what we're not going to do today on the podcast is go into all the specific instance of the game, given that it's been a few days and everyone's seen every highlight and read numbers of match reports, but. It's nice sometimes when you record after a few days, isn't it? Because when you record on the on the whistle, it's fun because it's quite raw. You've got all the emotion going on, but you've not necessarily had time to sit back, analyze and really kind of gather thoughts and, and sort of look at some analysis that makes you see something that you hadn't seen previously. And we've sort of had the had the pleasure of doing that. And I think it's been really interesting, Aaron, because you, know, you and I went to the game. We were really fortunate enough to be in that traveling contingent who were amazing, by the way, mm, as yeah, always. So good. so good. So much fun. The songs were brilliant. Um, you know, we, we we were privileged enough to, to be part of that. But I think that I speak for most fans in that in, in that section, um, you know, in our section, which is that, yeah, as much as we dominated those that initial sort of 30 minutes that you've alluded to, 30 to 40 minutes, it then kind of went very differently it felt and it really felt particularly in the second half and the last five minutes of the first half that we were getting dominated that's how it felt to me that we were getting dominated and and it was uh it was it felt like we were in a lot of danger quite frequently and it felt like Palace were always on the brink of scoring and and you know in the end yes great resilient and we we counted and scored a uh, you know a second goal at the end but it did feel like we had to hang on a bit have your thoughts on that changed now that you've had a few days to to settle on it and 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 you know seen the replays and and looked at the analysis have you have you got any different thoughts um yeah it's a tricky one i think i think we obviously yeah 
there was something very different from the first, let's say the first phase or the first 30 minutes where we looked really good. And um, thank God we scored during that period as well. And then maybe like 10 minutes before half time, and then pretty much most of the second half until we scored that second goal. Um, now, you know, with hindsight, thinking back now, it does, it does look like that we, we started to sit back and um, we started for whatever reason to invite a bit more pressure on. And um, I don't think that was the idea. I don't think that was the game plan. But for whatever reason, we we allowed Palace to get a stronger foothold in the game than we probably would have liked. Now, look, I don't think it was ever realistic that we'd maintain the first 25 minutes for the entire 90. Because there, there were periods where I was like, actually, we look, we look like the home team here. Um, because we were just comfortable on the ball, dominating, really doing well. And I was like, oh, I wonder. But, you know, Palace were always going to come into it. But I think what you know, worried me and will probably worry Mikel Arteta would be that the fact that we couldn't really wrestle back control once they had got control of the game again. I think we we set back. We we freaked out a bit. I also thought Palace started playing really well. I thought, um, what's his name? Anderson, the centre-back, I think he is. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Decore, the defensive midfielder, both had really good games. Um, and then our midfield struggled to deal with what they were doing. And I thought, and I don't know why that happened, because you know, mm. if you think about it logically, it's the same players, they have the same ability. They haven't all of a sudden become worse. We're in mm. front. So you'd, you'd argue that we should be more confident, but for whatever reason, and it is a bit of a trend. We, we do seem to drop off and I don't know if that's confidence. I don't know if that's mentality. I don't know if that's fitness or energy or just the fact that they couldn't, they don't believe that they can dominate a team for 90 minutes yet. We we did struggle, but did we get dominated? I mean, I don't think Palace had that many shots. I know Ramsdale had to make some really good saves, but it's not like they were battering our goal. Um, and we and yeah, we it's, it's Palace. You know, it's, it's Zaha, for example. Zaha is a tricky player who is gonna make any defender he comes up against look worried because if they're not worried they're not they're not concentrating properly they're not taking him seriously enough so um yeah i think they they had some dangerous moments but i wouldn't say we got battered would you Uh, at the time i felt that we we were hanging on you know i really felt that way but you know after getting home watching the game again on on sky which i recorded watching the kind of punditry afterwards and and then kind of just looking at some of the analysis that's been floating around, looking at the stats, I started start feeling very differently. Do you know what I sort of it, it, I, I, I thought about today? It reminded me of a game a long, long time ago when and, and you know I'm going to do Palace a big uh, a, a big flat form of flattery here. It, it, we played Bayern Munich at home many years ago, <laughs> and I remember in that game we won that game, and I remember in that game. At one point, feeling you know, this is these are the this is the Wenger era. So these were these were games where we play against big teams, and frequently, um, you know, we knew we were going to fold. You know, we knew yeah. at some uh, that they were going to be superior, and you were going to fold. And I remember this game against Bayern Munich, thinking, okay, God, the same thing's happening again. They're really, you know, they're really they've got possession. They're we're going to get dominated. And I remember at some point feeling, hang on a minute, today's a little bit different. Today actually looks like we're okay with this almost like we have planned that if this happens which it's likely to happen this is what we're going to do and this is who's going to go where and we're going to stop them being able to penetrate us and all that kind of stuff um and we went on one and we went on one that game and I remember thinking, wow. uh yeah right at the end uh, yeah the, the, at the end and it was Giroud I think he scored the first goal um so it, it, this similarly now when I reflect on this game and look at the stats like you said it was the second half that we really felt like we were getting dominated in inverted commas. But Ramsdale made one save. They had one shot on target. And they had three in total. So being dominated, if you're being dominated, dominated doesn't result in you having conceding three shots on goal and, and one go- one shot at your goalie. That's not dominated. That's, that, that's not, that indicates that whatever happened, you managed that game pretty well like even if you conceded possession you were preventing the opposition team creating chances and doing anything that was going to doing doing much that was going to penetrate and that was backed up by the expected goals the expected of the expected goals showed arsenal higher than than palace even though it really did feel like you know we were we were on the cushion i think we should 
therefore like talk a little bit about some uh, you know a couple of the individual performances right because i think the the, the defensive the, the back five um clearly knew they had a job to do today when you're at palace at some point you're going to have a job to do um at some point it's going to get tough and they did have a long time when when it was tough and so you had william saliba who's making his premier league debut so let's just cast this story back a little bit again. You know, don't want to be too indulgent, but, you know, we, we signed him at 18 or whatever it was, paid a, a quite a lot of money for an 18-year-old. And he's been on loan for three years in France, at three separate clubs, including the club that we signed him for, um, signed him from. You know, he's had three different loan spells. His last one was incredibly successful. We've already touched on all the great, high, you know, last episode we talked about all the great things he achieved. Um, and... He has then made his Premier League debut away at Crystal Palace and he's one man of the match. It's the kind of, you know, just on paper when you write that all down, it's the kind of thing where you think, okay, if you want to write a playbook on how to sign a talent, get the most out of that talent until he's ready for the Premier League and then play him. If you wanted to get a playbook, this is basically it right you know it it doesn't really get the story doesn't get better than that in theory what did you think of his performance what did you uh, you know you did see him in pre-season but what did it tell you yeah I think I thought he was magnificent I thought it was really impressive how you know a player like that can come in and especially at Arsenal with the fan base there was a lot of hype around this player right you know Saliba probably has the most amount of um, the fans or you know, stands, as they call them, uh, on on Twitter, right? Who will defend him to the death? But um, it's very rare that you get a player that comes in and immediately justifies the hype. Um, you know, we signed this this eighteen year old, 30, like eighteen year old for thirty million quid. It was like, who the hell is this guy? You know, there was a bit of you know, talk about him when he was a bit younger, but no one really knew him. And he's sort of just gone under the radar a bit outside of Arsenal. Right? I think a lot of non-Arsenal fans would not have thought, oh, Arsenal have got Saliba this year. They are going to be challenges and their defence is going to get better. But actually what's come, what's happened is he's come in and look, it's been one game, so let's not get carried away. <laughs> but um, he's come in and he appears to have made our defence look better. Which, when you've got two really good centre-backs, who I'm big fans of both of them, in Gabriel and Ben White, to come into that back four and to say, I am going to improve what was already a pretty good back four, in my opinion. Um, you know, that's, that's fair play to him and credit to him. I think um, just the fact that he's come in and he, he looks good, but he also looks so calm. He looks um, so composed. He... He's comfortable on the ball, but he also backs himself in those kind of last ditch tackles where he has to dive in. And there were a few examples of that on Friday. I thought it was very, very impressive. And, you know, if he continues like this, there are going to be different challenges. There are going to be trickier players. There's going to be aerial players. There's going to be, you know, you know, players that get the ball on to their feet, for example. Oh, your, your dog's a big fan too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. also a big fan of uh, either his, either her reflection or a fox that's outside. I can't really see what it is. But anyway, okay. sorry. Oh, yeah. So different strikers, including you know, a fox in the box. See what I did there. <laughs> and um, and um, just like, but he he dealt with Eduard and then Mateta for a bit. He dealt with both of them really well. And um, I think he looks really imposing. He's just an imposing looking guy, isn't he? So um, I think he just makes our defense better and long may it continue. Everything you said, I totally agree with. That he was the resounding thing in my mind after the win. Of course, I was happy with the win, but the day after, I was just thinking, this guy's incredible. And you say it's one game, and I completely agree, but it's so, it was so hard, mate. I'm finding it so hard to not get carried away about this guy because there's sometimes in football, I find it, it, particularly this happens. I think when you're when you're live, when you when you go and see a game live, there are some times where you see players and they just look. They just look a bit different. They look a bit different, Gravy. Maybe it's physicality. There's something about them. Alexis Sanchez had this, in my opinion, when I'd see him on the pitch. There was something about him that looked slightly superior to everyone else that was around him. And I know he's a short guy, so that wasn't height-wise, but there's something just about the energy. From a defensive perspective, the, the time that I felt it the most was Virgil van Dijk, seeing Virgil van Dijk play at the Emirates. 
I I thought this guy's just different class. There's just something about him. There's an air that it, I think it was partly about how even strikers and players around him were just avoiding him almost. Just something about it, like. It, and and you know watching William Saliba, I'm not comparing him to Virgil Van Dijk in terms of of ability because he, he, Saliba's got a long way to go um, before he can you know claim to be Virgil Van Dijk levels. You've got to win stuff, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of those ingredients, that physicality, that presence, that the pace, the reading of the game, the calmness, like you said, so calm. There was never a moment where I felt even when he was making a sliding tackle i felt that he always knew that he was going to get there like he knew he was making that tackle that was fine that was a calculated i'm standing here for a reason i know if i need to make that tackle i can make that tackle so i'm going to make that tackle and it just i you know i made a, a comment a while ago about him being reminded me of rio ferdinand mine mine's also made that comment gary neville actually made it after the game as well it, it, he's just got this thing about him and I think that he was a huge part in why actually we weren't really dominated. Um, he was so efficient in cleaning up, really helpful to Ben White on that right-hand side, um, you know, who who I think we should talk about as well. But it's just, y- 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 you're not going to have that many bigger tests than Palace away. And I know you can, I don't know, a lot of people criticise Palace's front three and saying, you know, they didn't have good strikers or whatever. You know what? Wilfred Zaha is a very good player. And, you know, he he had a lot of time to spend with Saliba. So, um, you know, I was really, you know, I don't want to get into the topic of do, who do you think starts and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, did you get a feeling that actually this is a guy who is who is trying to make a stake for number one central defender at this club? I think I got the sense that this is a guy who just backs himself in everything he does. You know, he's been a a top level player in, from at the academy level. He's come in with a lot of hype. He's known that you know, like that the club obviously believed in him at age age eighteen because we paid a lot of money for him, and you know, maybe in five six years time we'll hear from him about this period and how he felt during this period and you know we made mistakes that's clear in terms of that time where we didn't send him out on loan properly for example but generally i think we've kept him well looked after we've developed him in the right way and now he's a player that i think really does believe that he he thinks he should be playing at this level but he's not sat there going and doing interviews about it he's like well I'm just going to come here and I'm going to boss preseason. And then when I get a start, I'm going to take it. And I think he's the type of player now that doesn't, you know, it reminds me a bit of when like Saka came into the team where it's like, he knows he's good enough at this level now. Um, and he knows that he, if he carries on playing the way he does, he will be in the starting 11 and at Arsenal. You know, you don't have that question of like, is he old enough? It's, if you're good enough, you're ready and you will play. And I think he knows that. So I think look, the the place is there for him to take. And, um, we, you know, I don't think we should go into this debate about who starts because, you know, we never know. But I do actually think that maybe some of the online debate around, you know, Ben White, for example, is probably due to the fact that Saliba is there. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of like, there are a lot of Saliba fans. There's probably not so many. I don't see, haven't seen many Ben White fans on on the internet. So um, it's yeah. There's I think some of the debate. Were, there's a lot of probably, ladies yeah. Ben White fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should chip into the to the debate on um, yeah, if he should play right back or centre back. But um, it's uh, it's just a case that um, we like. It's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have, and that's um, it's. I'd rather have this conversation than. <laughs> oh, should we play Granite Xhaka at left back again? <laughs> Do you remember the conversation? Geez, Mustafa Socrates, what's it going to be? Um, yeah, go yeah, no. I, I, I mean, one, one last thing from Saliba, from my perspective. You know, I, I personally think, given his age and given the quality that he's shown, I think that him signing a new contract to Arsenal may be one of the biggest economic and f- footballing decisions impacts whatever you want to call it of our you know for arsenal over the last decade i i really mean that because 
at that age to be that good let's just say he stays that good roughly how much does it cost you to replace a player like that yeah yeah exactly even i mean you can it'll cost you a lot and even if you buy a player like that there's no guarantee uh that player is going to be you know ready to play week in week out and look i i share your enthusiasm i'm not i'll give him a few more games before we give him the biggest contract of the decade title but i would uh, yeah it's well, yeah. i guess what i'm but saying is more it's not i'm not saying we should pay him 400 grand a week yeah yeah I, i'm no, no, saying I mean, about like, in terms of, I know, in terms of future, like magnitude yeah, you know. i agree i think it's yeah. what he's got one year is he in his final year now or he's got uh, it's a, i don't think he is in his final year i don't think he's in, in his final year at all he's i think got, he's, he's got a couple in. of years okay I, I do think he's got a couple of years but i think it's one of those that you're like, oh shit, you know, you don't really want to get him into his final year. Of his co- if yeah. The thing is, if I was him, I don't know what I'd be doing at this point though. I don't know if I was no, him, I, whether I'd be, I'd be. I think he's, yeah, exactly. But I think this is a wider thing on player power and contracts where actually good players now are probably much more aware that they can run their contracts down and get better deals. Um, and he's not one that I feel need to worry about. Okay, will I have somewhere to go in a year and a half? So yeah, I think i was his agent i'd be telling him definitely don't sign a contract but i think it's on us as a club to make him feel that this is a a place where he's loved and b a place where he can then go on and win things because if he carries on this trajectory he will be demanding to be winning things in a few years time yeah completely agree um so brilliant listen i mean i really hope we're talking positively like this is about william saliba for the rest of the season because if we are then it means that we're winning games really um ben white is a it was an interesting topic of debate after the game partly because you know he he, he, a lot of what palace did well was down their left hand side wilfred zaha was you know was was there that was that was why and there was a lot of debate on twitter and social media i felt about ben white's performance it was really interesting because it was the area that we called out before the game. In our preview, the area that we probably talked the most extensively was Ben White at right back against Zaha. Literally, that was the scenario we discussed, right? Um, and and in and in truth, that was the scenario that um, that got a lot of attention. You know, po- post game, Zaha was seeing a lot of the ball. He was he was taking on Ben White a lot, and. Interestingly enough, again, the stats don't really back up that Zaha got the better of Ben White. In fact, I saw a stat which essentially said that words to the effect, I can't remember if it was five years or six years, but essentially Ben White made more successful tackles in the game against Palace than any Arsenal player has made in the last five or six years. Yeah, so I've actually got that stat. Oh God! So it's, uh, oh, I hope he I've made, quoted it. it close, close. close. He okay. made eight eight tackles against Crystal Palace on Friday, the yeah. most of any Arsenal player in a Premier League game since uh, January 2019. So, right, so it's three it's years. Not, it's, not, it's not as long oh, yes. as I said five to six yeah. years. Crap. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. But still, it's a few years. Huh? No, I, um, I think no. he had a good game. I yeah, we briefly discussed this on the way out from um, Selhurst Park on Friday where you thought you know he was getting done and he he mm. lost he lost control but ultimately i think he he's he's not the strongest one-on-one defender right i think i'd probably rather tommy Asu if i was going one-on-one with zaha than um than ben white I'll, i think that's clear but I don't think he had a bad game as such. I think he that they defended well as a unit. Whenever Ben White got beaten, Saliba was there to clear clear up. Whenever you know any of those Palace attackers managed to get through, Ramsdale was there to make a really good save. But the fact is, when you come up against Zaha, you are going to get run at. You are, he's going to take yeah. you on. That is their game plan, right? Yeah. Palace's game plan is give the ball to Zaha, tell him to run at the defender, and usually make them look very silly. And either get a shot away on goal or pass it to someone in in a more dangerous position. So, yeah, and, uh, sorry, yeah. so no, I think he. Um, and the fact is, whenever Zaha did beat him, either Saliba did clear it up, and yeah, there were times where Zaha's final ball wasn't wasn't great, for example. But I think there's, you know, I think you need to evaluate a defender not just in these one on one situations, but what else he gives you on the pitch, and actually on the ball. 
what he does positionally, how he distributes the ball from the back. All of these things contribute to us being good as a team. So there is every chance that we bring in a hypothetical defender who Zaha never gets past um, because he's so good one-on-one. But as a team, we are far, far worse. Yeah, and, 100%. And actually the way the way the top teams play now, right? You, you know, the fullbacks don't, you know, they're not there for their ability to defend one-on-one. They're there to, to build possession, to attack, to, yeah, they, they can't be rubbish, but a lot of the good defense, like a lot of the top fullbacks, their strongest set, their strongest skill set isn't defensive one-on-ones because, you know, you get a good winger, you get a tricky player. They are able to beat people. It doesn't matter how good a defender you are. The best wingers, the best tricky, like wide players can beat their man. And that is something yeah. you've just got to deal with. And it's also, do you know what? It's even more so than that, right? It's because sometimes when you have a right back, like you described, say you put a right back who is a great defensive right back and you say, listen, do a job on this winger. Then you're actually, you're playing a system like you say, which is, is setting yourself up to have that right back essentially be on that winger. Now, if you play that system and if you play Ben White in that system, I still think he'd do a decent job, but ultimately, as we discussed, defending against a winger isn't necessarily his strongest suit. But the thing is, when we're playing Ben White in that position, we're not playing those tactics anyway, right? Like you, like you mentioned. And, and when we're in possession, again, we talked about this in the last, when we're in possession, we're very specific in how we set up, right? We basically end up having three in the central, in, in midfield and five up top. We have three in central midfield, which becomes Partey in the middle and the two inverted fullbacks going into midfield. So they, they're both coming centrally. And we noticed that during the game many times. We saw like Zinchenko taking up um, amazing positions centrally. So they're coming in centrally. You've got the, the, the you know, the, the five who are up top. And that is creating a lot of space. There's a lot of space in behind, right? There's a lot of gaps wide for counter-attacking teams in theory to try and pump balls out to. But what you hope is, you know, with those players parked very centrally, it's very hard for teams to actually break. And what you also hope is that your wingers in this situation are going to have to do a lot of defensive work. Now, if you're going to play that system, there's no point saying if it's Ben White, if it's Cedric or whoever it is, it doesn't really matter because you're playing them in a system where they're always going to be exposed by a right winger, right? Of Of a left winger. They're always going to be exposed. And here's where something it's it's worth it's worth commenting on something that Jurgen Klopp said a while ago when he talked about how Liverpool play Liverpool play, played Arsenal um this was I think at some point last season it was the game I don't know if you remember it was the game where Roy Keane said at half time he made a comment about how Liverpool were actually sloppy even though Liverpool were winning he said something like Liverpool have been sloppy or something like this mm-hmm. and at the end of the game Jurgen Klopp obviously had heard what he had said yeah and and he said any any and in his post-match he basically just completely came Roy Keane. He goes, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. This was, you know, was one of our kind of best performances, blah, blah, blah. And what he, he drilled down and saying is that when you play tactics at an elite level that is getting you to have elite attacking potential, you are absolutely going to be doing things like exposing your goalkeeper or exposing a certain player. And what you do in those situations is you rely on having a goalkeeper or a, or a player in a certain position that is that damn good that they can deal with it. Yeah, and this that's is about Liverpool's that high level. line, right? Yeah. I think. And it's, yeah, exactly. Keane kept saying that Arsenal kept getting in behind. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And, he, and he was basically, exactly. So he made the point, he said, you play the way we play, what the hell is going to happen? Like, that's going to happen. So in the yeah. same way... You play the way that we play and have that kind of potential. I remember the first half, I'm like, my, you know, my goodness, like they couldn't breathe. Palace couldn't breathe, right? Yeah. They couldn't breathe in that first because of the way we're getting so high up and then pressing so high. But you're going to leave those gaps. But here's the thing. If you have got a William Saliba, if you've got that, then he'll just sweep up on that side anyway. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable now going into games if, if Ben White is playing at right back and even if they have got a good winger, I feel a lot more comfortable yeah, because I feel I agree. like Jimmy doesn't matter. You, I think this goes back to what we said at the start, right? I don't think the plan was ever to sit back and invite Palace on like that. So I think when Mikel Arteta goes back, he will say like, well, we shouldn't have been putting Ben White in that position anyway because he's there to control the game. And yeah, you're right. Like Saliba and the defence as a unit are there to clean up after each other, right? But in an ideal world, 
yeah, I'm sure, I can't remember when he said it, but Mikhail Arteta was like, when you go in front, you kill the opponent by just passing it and you don't give them a chance to get the ball again. We did the opposite of that. We gave them the <laughs> ball and said, yeah, you guys control it and have a go at us. And you know, luckily, we, we're quite good at just defending deep and trusting our defenders to to, to just kind of get a, get a grip on the game. And, you know, last season we'd bring on holding and he'd add some more defensive security to the to the to the mix but funnily enough actually what what changed this time actually and what changed the swing of the games was actually Mikel Arteta not saying okay I'm going to bring on another centre back he actually brought on Eddie Nketiah and Kieran Tierney and um, they were I think those subs probably came a bit too late now I think about it like he could have probably done it a little bit earlier on because actually what we needed to do was actually get Palace back in their own half to say you know, we're in this game too. This isn't going to be a game where you run at us and have a go, even though we're quite good at that. This is a game where we dominate and we try and do that, but we just didn't do that in the second phase of that game. And we just, you know, I think that is going to be the key thing that Arteta will try and figure out is why on earth did we just stop trying to stop compete? There. Yeah. I think it's a fair point. I wonder, I wonder how much of him will also just look at it and go, do you know what? Palace away, done you know like yeah. I just got that game out out of the way and you know what like it's just there's certain games where sometimes the rule book I feel needs to go out the window um to some to some extent but I think um you know there were lots of lots of like good aspects like you've just mentioned I almost forgot about you know Tierney coming on and actually you know making a, I thought a really good uh difference defensively and and Eddie did well and I felt Lukonga actually did well when he came on as well um but you know we got the win right we got the win three points we move and it was so nice watching the rest of the week weekend play out you know you've got your win and then you can just you can just see how everything goes uh so you know looking at the other results Aaron and right that happened over the weekend so unfortunately Tottenham won and we looked so good at the beginning the goal down against yeah. Southampton um but you know Southampton have been really, really disappointing. <laughs> Southampton have been really disappointing for a while. Although they did beat Spurs at, um, at, at, at Tottenham, you know, last season. But you know, the, Southampton completely capitulated. Tottenham did well. Tottenham won. Um, Chelsea won one nil. Uh, Man City ended up winning, um, you know, quite comfortably at, away at West Ham. A tricky fixture, but they won comfortably. Um, and Liverpool obviously dropped points, two uh, two. Again, away from home, but whatever. And um, and Man United were just yeah, you know, just complete banter. I mean, they were. That was enjoyable, wasn't it? Their banter. I've, I've watched so much analysis of that game today, and it's just amazing. Because sometimes you know when you when you look at real deep analysis of games, and you some of these analysts pick out things where like, actually they did this well, they did that well. We've got all these analysts just genuinely scratching their heads, going, "This was." <laughs> Just not as in not even really blaming Ten Hag because they're just like these guys just basically did all the same crap that they did last season, yeah. Just like doing completely mad things. Uh, anyway, point I wanted to ask you is it isn't necessarily just to uh, indulge in Man United misery, um, more so that from what you saw over the weekend, from results, performances, etc. How have you, if anything, put that into context in terms of Arsenal's results? So. Uh, you, you know, as much as there is that cliche of focus on yourselves and, you know, just you just think about the next game and just be the best version of yourselves that you can be. Ultimately, where you finish in the league is relative to other teams. So if everyone else is really good, that's not a good thing for you. Um, so what, what, if anything, have you learned from this weekend? Oh, that's a good one. I think. I think I've realised that Look, if Man City and Haaland turn up and carry on with what they did, especially that second goal that Haaland scored, I thought was really good. If they do that, we've got no chance of catching them. They just look very good. Oh, wait, hang on, you need to stop. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're doing this thing where you think we can win the league again, haven't you? No, no, but I think, no, I'm just giving you my thoughts of what I saw. And, you know, the big thing I saw was, oh, Man City are very good. And they're still very good. Maybe we can't catch them because that's just, I mean, maybe just, we can't, yeah. Look, it's going to be it's going to mean that we probably win the title in May as opposed to April. No, I'm joking. Um, look, I think. Yeah, look, Man City look good. I think Liverpool will also continue to be very good. So therefore, what it means is that. At best, we're, we're fighting for third. Right. 
Um, yeah. And then realistically, yeah. I mean, purely on yesterday, this weekend's results, it's going to be between us, Chelsea, Spurs, say Man United for now, but like possibly Man United, right? Um, I thought Chelsea looked like, and I think we don't look any better or any worse than any of those teams, which is good. I think last season, Chelsea for a, a big chunk of that first half looked really good. Um, and Spurs have got Spurs are Spurs and I, you know it's really hard to read too much into their result on Saturday because I thought Southampton were awful but you know if you know, they still got a good result at home and I think they will be in and around us um, now the question is are we better than those teams and where will it come? I, and I honestly think it will come, it won't be in these games where we play each other. It will be in games like this where we go to Palace away and we win, right? Can Spurs go to Palace away and win? Can Chelsea go to Palace away and win? I think um, actually you look at the teams, Spurs are probably the most likely to struggle against the bottom half teams. I think Spurs you know, have the potential to go to Anfield, go to the Etihad and win. But I actually think they're more likely to struggle against teams like Palace, against teams like Brighton, against teams like uh, Fulham, for example, although Fulham quite quite attacking, so they might do all right against them. But yeah, I think we we have the squad. Okay? We have the players. And if we keep those players fit, we are on our day as good as Chelsea, Spurs and Man United. Now, what will change between now and... and yeah, the end of the season is going to be injuries, it's going to be mentality. But I actually feel that unlike previous years, we have the squad and we're not going to be hoping for an overachievement. We're going to be hoping for this team to develop, to, to deliver what it's capable of delivering. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything that you said there, to be honest. I mean, obviously everything after the bit where you started still going on on your winning the league fantasy, um, everything you said <laughs> after that, uh, uh, I, I agree with you. I think third, I agree with you. I think third's the, the best that we can um, really hope for. And, and I would say that, you know, it feels like on our day, we're just as good as some of those teams. I did come away from the weekend feeling a little bit, not pessimistic, but, you know, you had that up, that that up feeling of the, of, you know, the result on Friday. And I did kind of look at it a little bit and I thought, mm, do you know what? Tottenham actually do look quite good. I know it's Southampton at home. I know that. But there were elements of how they scored, how they played, that I felt that they looked like they're in a rhythm. They're certainly not, it doesn't feel like they're going to start badly, at least. Um, Man United, I think that they've just got far too many problems to solve. Like, I think that even if they get round to solving them, um, it, it, either be too late or there'll be inconsistencies in it. And I think everyone's just kind of one step ahead in their, where they are as a, as a club, at least one step ahead. Um, and Chelsea, I, th I thought were interesting because I think ultimately they did win. I feel that they are they've they've got a world class manager, and I think that they will probably grind out results um, until they until they get their their groove on. It'll be really interesting to see what signings they make. I still think Chelsea are going to do a couple of really interesting signings this summer. Um, I do think that. Uh, so yeah, like uh, I would have really loved it. I know Liverpool dropped points, but. You know, I don't see them as a, a realistic target for us. I really would have loved it if if Chelsea or or, or Tottenham, you know, dropped points or, or or looked really poor in some aspect. But I don't think they really did. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Look, for us, we are looking towards a game this weekend against Leicester. It's um, a game which a game which is quite interesting because you if you look over the the times that we faced Leicester over the last few years, it's been quite hard to call. We've had some wins and we've had some losses. Uh, we've had some really annoying losses, but we've had some really nice wins. Basically it's been, it's, it's one of those things with Leicester. Leicester have just come off a draw with Brentford where, you know, they were leading. I think they were leading two nil and they, they drew two, two. They're having a weird summer, a really weird summer where there's been this recognition, I think, by Brendan Rodgers that seemingly they need to sell particularly before they buy but it feels like they've got to they've got to do some selling and it feels like there's a little bit of a free-for-all on their squad in some really weird way I think that you know a lot of Europe seems to think that they can pick up a number of their players Kasper Schmeichel's gone quite surprisingly that, it felt. 
that's to me has been honestly one of the weirdest transfers <laughs> I've ever heard of. Like, <laughs> really? Tetris Michael is just like in, well, probably what you probably the top ten goalkeepers in the league. Yeah, top top ten. Yeah, and he's gone to Nice. <laughs> but Nice have got a little. These are really interesting, aren't they? They're, they're a bit random club because their managers. Uh, what, what's his face? Um, um, who was linked with Palace before Vieira took it? I forget. It. It's just the the word that names. Anyway, oh, Lucien Favre. Yeah, Favre. Yeah. So. There you go. So Favre, who I remember, uh, who was he was linked with Palace, and then um, yeah, he's like a, it's an interesting project, I guess. And they've kind of seemingly managed to attract a few players, haven't they? Because uh, Aaron Ramsey is there now as well. Oh, is he? Aaron Ramsey plays for Nice. He scored on debut. Ah, oh, completely missed that one. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Scored on his debut. Um, so yeah, and Kasper Schmeichel, yeah, like uh, sort of. Uh, no, I I I agree that it. It's not. It's less so that he went to Nice that surprised me. It's, it's more so that he's just went anywhere because he. It looked. It, it on the face of it, it looked to me that that wasn't planned. It didn't look to me like he had said to Leicester, "Hey guys, by the way, in the summer I want a new challenge," because it doesn't seem like they've done anything to proactively address. You know, getting because no, they've people. got. Yeah, they haven't got a. Well, they've got Ward, and this other guy called Iverson or Iverson, who I've never heard of, yeah. and neither of them have been like. I know Ward's apparently quite highly rated, but generally I don't think that was ever the plan for him to be a number one. So yeah, it is, it is very, I don't think they've signed anyone, have they? Not what, as, as in outfield. As Leicester. Well. Yeah. Outfield. Like, I don't think they've signed anyone. I can think of, I mean, if, you know, transfer market will probably help us out on that one. There's no one I can think of off the top of my head, which probably means it's not, you know, it's not been any big signings, but it's, they're in a bit of a pickle, aren't they? Because, you know, Newcastle are trying to get Madison, Arsenal uh, have been kind of linked with Tielemans for a long, long time. And, you know, it seems like if Arsenal don't get him, someone will. Chelsea allegedly made Fafana their top target. Yeah. Yeah, this is the spine of their team. And it, it doesn't sound like, you know, there's there's any names, any big names that are linked with. And they're in the worst possible situation when you've got all these big clubs who are linked with, not even big clubs, you've got clubs genuinely linked with signing your players and, 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 you know, it looks like a deal might be close. And when you're trying to buy other players, people know you're going to get money and it's just, it just looks like a little bit of a mess. So, you know, we, we're about to play them when things probably aren't great in the changing room. People are probably looking around going, are you going to be there next game? Are you actually going to be there? You know, do you know what I mean? There's a bit, a bit, a bit of that. Um, but we have often seen that Arsenal <laughs> have a habit of of uh, not turning up or or something going wrong in in games like you know like this. I suppose. What are your feelings, mate? We're coming off a win against Palace. It's going to be the first home game of the season. Um, you're unfortunately not going to be there. I won't be there, annoyingly. Um, but Sad. I will be watching on. Well, it's a Saturday three pm kickoff, so I'll be yeah. watching somehow in somehow. using alternative methods. Uh, yeah, but um, no, I think I actually think like what like what you said, Roger, is actually quite important. You know, Leicester are like you said, hopefully going to be a bit all over the place mentally, whereas we should take advantage of the fact that we've had such a consistent preseason. You know, well, I'm kind of hoping we play the same lineup that we did did against Palace because actually that was a lineup we played in our last two preseason games as well before that. Yeah. So, um, you know, how many teams have been able to play the same starting 11 in their first two league games and their previous two preseason games as well? Um, and that stability, you know, the players need to, they're still, you know, Zinchenko, Jesus are still figuring things out, but they still need to, you know, they get the minutes on the pitch, but they are in a team which knows the role of every other teammate in that team. And um, I hope that's what gets us through this game is, we are stable, we are ready, and we should have spent hopefully the week preparing for this game in you know, the Mikel Arteta way, which is going to be very tactically detailed. And, you know, the only thing I hope is Tiedemans isn't um, putting himself in the shop window for us by just having a stormer. But um, no, I, I, I'd like to think we can we can edge them at home. Uh, I hope so too. Is there... Because uh, I, I agree with the lineup. I t- totally agree that 
going in, I think, with the, the the same starting lineup would be great. And I think that, to be honest, that's probably a smart thing for him to do because some of the players that would be maybe knocking on the door for a place to start are players who are still coming back from injury anyway. And, you know, you yeah. can probably just ease them in. So I think it'll be fine. And it didn't seem like we picked up any injury concerns, um, you know, from the game, uh, from the Palace game. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's something that didn't really happen the uh, against uh, Palace was the use of the five subs. <laughs> you know, we I think mm. we made three subs in the end, right? And they all looked they as, as you mentioned they were quite late in the game. So it'll be interesting to see if he does anything more with that and starts using that that um, you know the five subs because I'm not sure if, if there are any stats around how many teams actually use their five subs. It felt like Man United I think used five subs. Um, I think they brought a load of players on in one go at the end, um, but. Yeah, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see if that happens. I mean, if there is any player knocking on the door for a start, do you think it's someone like Eddie? Yeah, I'd say Eddie. You know, Kieran Tierney is still a very good player. I think he's fantastic. And I think he has every chance of you know getting that left-back slot long-term. At least with that, you could say he's still returning from injury. Maybe they'll still want yeah. to just... Kind of yeah, exactly. Start. I think... But in terms of those players outside of the three who have not really featured in pre-season, I think Eddie's the one who... Yeah, he looked really good when he came on. Uh, there's every chance that maybe the agreement is he gets minutes in, in the league regularly. And actually, we don't give Jesus a stop. I find that very unlikely. I think it will almost certainly be the the lineup that started against Palace. But what I think Arteta will hope is that we can get a few goals early on and he can feel a bit more safer rotating and getting some substitutes in minutes because that rarely happened last season because we were always just defending a one goal lead pretty much all the time so um hopefully uh, this is probably you know i'll take a one nil win if it's a one nil win but hopefully we can actually get some goals and actually have a comfortable evening or afternoon where we can give players some minutes against a team that clearly isn't super settled agree with you so is that your prediction you're going with a 1-0 no no I'll go um, I will go 3-0 instead I think we'll get goals I think we'll get goals yeah I was going to go 3-0 too okay so should I change it no we, change why, it? why okay. can't we just you, you know why can't we just do the same thing okay well, we both genuinely believe that's going to happen we both genuinely believe it's 3-0 did you think we were going to win last game I did you did so I did I predicted Three one, I think. I 2-1. So we got the scores wrong, but we both predicted a win. No. So, you know, yeah. we're on a roll. We're on a roll, co-star. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, all right, we both think we're going to win. And, you know, we've got... Uh, we've got... Because this was... Again, I don't want to bloody get complacent, but this, this Palace game was on paper the hardest game in our, you know, in our running until we play, I think, Man United away. Um, which is always... It doesn't matter. Man United could be last in the league... Yeah, but that game is still going to they'll, they'll find a way to win right um, but you know we've got after Leicester it kind of goes something like Bournemouth Fulham Villa I want to yep. say something like that um, and um, yeah so two of those are home games I believe right so 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 sorry so we've got Leicester at home Bournemouth yep. away and then Fulham and Fulham Villa up. are both home yep yeah, and then we so go to it, Old Trafford. Yeah, and then we go to Old Trafford. So you know, on, on paper, this is a, this is a this is a winnable run of games. Uh, it's also kind of looking like, well, look, Bournemouth won, um, fine, and, and you know, Fulham actually looked quite look, look quite good against Liverpool. Um, hopefully, you know, being uh, Fulham at Arsenal will be a bit different, and and you know, I wonder it'd be interesting to see how Villa are. By then, after losing their opening games, we can't look too forward in, in theory. You know, who knows how those teams will look in a game or two. But it still does look winnable on paper, doesn't it, mate? I mean, well, I'll be disappointed if we lose any of those games or if we drop points, right? Um, yeah. And that is the reality of what the expectations are this season. But, you know, this is us, and we've seen ourselves lose very winnable games many times before <laughs> so let's I think we're all still a bit like oh I don't know what this team's about yet but look I, I think it's clear that regardless of where you stand on this team we are somewhat mag probably magnitudes better than we were last season in mm -hmm. terms of personnel 
The, mm-hmm. That is without a doubt, right? The question is, how much better are we this season? Are we three points better off than we were last season? Or is this the same inconsistent team that still has the tendency to just lose three games in a row without explanation? And I think that's what we're really worried about, is knowing that at any point this team could somewhat randomly self-destruct for no reason. Um, and have we learned from the mistakes of last season? But, you know, if you look at it rationally, we lost a lot of those games when we lost some of our best players. And we've now added redundancy to some of those players. Yeah. So, like I said, assuming we keep these players fit, there's no reason why we can't beat all of them. Fulham is the one I'm, I think could be tricky. I think Fulham just seem to love attacking. I think they'll be a bit like Leeds were in the sense that they're just going to attack. And if they lose 4-0, 5-0, that's okay because they'll probably win other games 3 or 4-0 anyway. So um, that could be quite a fun game. Um, but yeah, let's one game at a time. I think if we beat Leicester at home, the place is going to be buzzing and the belief will, will be there from the players, the fans and everyone associated with the club. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. So do you think um, there's been any buzz that can be attributed to this TV show that's going on at the moment. Um, so All or Nothing is airing about Arsenal. Yeah, we really anticipated it's the number one show on Amazon Prime at the moment in the UK. And um, three episodes have been released. It's it's made a couple of cult heroes, such as Aaron Ramsdale's dad. Oh, yeah. Yes. Daddy Ramsdale, who Daddy is a personal, Ramsdale. we can say is a personal friend of the podcast. Yes, you know, yes, a per- indeed. Per- personal friend of the podcast. So, just you know, for those of you who didn't see on social media, we, you know, we we basically we were hanging out with him at the pub. Basically, you know, we spent a good <laughs> we spent a good three to five seconds with him in the pub. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what was what was lovely. So you know, we, we so we we were trying to figure out figures out. So essentially, when we were at the game, Aaron Ramsdale's dad was um, clearly a few rows a- ahead of us, and um, we were trying to work out if it was him and. And it really did look like it was him. And, and then suddenly people were taking photos up with him. So we were like, okay, you know, it's definitely him. And um, and then, because uh, he's got a very, wears his very distinctive hat and everything. And then when we were at, we were at a pub at the end of the game um, and it was a mixed, actually interesting, it's a mixed supporters bar. Uh, so Aaron and I had, had, had been there before with uh, some of our uh, Crystal Palace friends. Um, and so we, 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 ha- we were having a drink there. And then all of a sudden, Someone basically just basically just tapped us on the shoulder, didn't he? And he basically just said, yeah. "Oh, like, well, he said, well done, lads. Thanks, lads. Like, have, have a good trip. Have something like that, didn't he?" Yeah, he said, thanks, lads. I'll see you later. And we were like, "Oh, it's uh, Daddy Ramsdale, as you said." And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, then I, I had to take we, the opportunity to yeah. ask him for a picture, didn't he? And then uh, yeah. he was very gracious. He was a lovely guy. He was very gracious. He said, "He, he did say you got to be quick. The train won't wait for me." Um, he took a picture and he said something really sweet where I said to, to him, uh, you should be very proud. And he said, oh, I'm very proud of all three of my kids. Yeah. Um, so he, nice he, he does seem like a genuinely good bloke, doesn't he? Like, you know, you see on some of these TV shows, people put on an act, but he just seems like a great dad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like just like yeah. an authentic, like, like, yeah. like just really good guy. Like, so, and, you know, Aaron Ramsdale looks like, it seems like a top guy. So, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I wonder um, how Aaron Ramsdale feels there, right? He's had a cracking game, <laughs> made two brilliant saves. He's going to go on social media and everyone's going on about his bloody dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, and because on that note, I wonder if his dad, like you know, is so willing to hang out at the pubs like with the fans um, yeah. in a game where his son wasn't arguably mad of the match. But yeah. um, but no, like but you know, with the show generally, Aaron, and, and you know, let's not spend too much time on it. We should probably give everyone a, um, a rest and let them go, go and get on with their days. But um, you know, there's only three episodes gone, so there's lots of episodes left. But has there been anything from All or Nothing that so far that you've taken? That has, uh, that's new information for you or that you found particularly interesting? It's hard. I, you know, I think it's obviously very sanitized, very, you know, corporatified, if that's a word, in terms of what Arsenal have done to protect. You know, they've obviously checked it for their brand and make sure it, there's nothing horrific in there. But, you know, there are a couple of little insights, I think, just generally seeing how the, not just Arteta, but the coaches are with their players. Um, you know, there's Albert who did a session with um, Smith Rowe at one point when he you know, goes through the video footage 
uh, I can't remember what his name is, but the the younger coach, who's a personal Carlos development Costa. coach, Carlos Costa, yeah, who does a lot of one-on-one stuff with uh, Tavares, which I thought was really cool. Um, I've enjoyed that side of things, just seeing how they are when they're slightly, you know, off camera as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just generally just seeing how, you know, various people interact with each other is always quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the stuff about the... You know, the games, the dressing room stuff, like none of that surprises me. Like they're happy when we win. They're really annoyed and angry when we lose. That, that's kind of expected. I'd be a bit annoyed if they, you know, they go back to the dressing room and they're all just having a laugh, for example, when we've lost. But no, I think it's, there's a lot of little things rather than a, like a headline in there, if that makes sense. Mm. I agree. There's, there's, I, I found um, a lot of just positive reinforcement I suppose there's lots of stuff that I thought and hope that Arsenal do you know a lot of that individual player kind of work and you know sitting down in front of the screens and, and going through so there's a lot, lot of stuff in my mind they did because that's what high performance teams do but it was really nice seeing it and and you know like there's there's been a lot of comments that people have made around that it's been nice seeing the players as humans you know and, re- and might remember mm. that they're humans and and I you know I completely agree and I think part of that what what I mean by that is it's nice just seeing them being very, um, what's the word? Many of them are just really young guys. They're really yeah. just young guys who are shy and, you know, not necessarily that articulate and are still trying to work things out. And, and, you know, that, you know, kind of, it's like when they were talking about Emile Smith-Rowe and he was sitting there and, you know, he's trying to do you know, do the analysis and even with Tavares and, you know, when they're talking, when they're kind of doing, you know, when they did that, one of the episodes, you know, no, again, maybe we shouldn't spoil it for anyone who hasn't mm. seen it. But, you know, there's, there's some stuff where they show, Arteta does this kind of talk about, how they need to memorize where each other are is on the pitch they do that kind of exercise and i thought that was really cute <laughs> like yeah, yeah. cute but also in a really like you know yeah i mean these these are just human beings who they're not all geniuses right no yeah they're, they're, they're young human beings well they're like 19 20 21 22 yeah. um yeah, what were we doing at 21 22 like oh we had no God, clue about you, life geez, no way right and they've got all this expectation and we see we see them on the pitch, right, as these footballers, right? And actually, uh, uh, we see, what, 20-year-old Saka, or however old Saka is now, um, as this, like, complete footballer. We compare him to, like, a 31-year-old footballer and say, well, they're just footballers. But actually, um, it made me realise, I think, that you look at someone like Jaka, Jaka, where um, actually he's a bit older, and you can kind of see why players respect him, because he's in a room full of 21-year-olds, as a almost 30 year old yeah. um like every day so of course they, they they see him as like the the bloke who's like gone through life who's like <laughs> yeah. actually like had been doing this for 10 years it's not you know it's more than just a are you good on the pitch like respect it's yeah. a you are you know how to handle this stuff you know how to deal with the pressure at the top level you know how to handle the crowd handle the expectations and manage become an international footballer go through that go to tournaments and that success and it it made me think you know i can see why you know previously someone like david Luiz, for example was really respected because you imagine yeah, being imagine. a 19 year old player and uh a world cup winner he has won the world cup yeah right? yeah yeah a world cup winner that comes into the room champions league winner, yeah champions league winner league winner and you're just like okay i i'm gonna respect this guy um and there's pros and cons of that of course but that's what it made like these it's still a very very young team and i think that came through quite clearly in the documentary as well i now have doubts over whether he was a world cup winner but anyway i get your point um yeah yeah no no i completely completely agree with that completely that that is really interesting i think you know it's it's a case also right where when intense football tactics and you know all the way that football has evolved in particular it's so scientific right that when we try and understand it and when we try and kind of you know read some of this really in-depth analysis it is quite complicated and i think it's very easy to assume that all these footballers these young talents because they play football they're going to find it really easy to understand and that's just not the case like and that's what i found really interesting about it as well it's just these complex these complex concepts still need to be broken down in a really simple way yeah understandably because these are just kids 
right? Yeah, Even if they do play football. And they're, they're just different to us in the sense that, you know, we're both professionals who have professional jobs, right? And we go to work every day and we come home and, um, you know, we went to uni, we went through the education system, all that stuff, right? These are athletes who who respond to very different things. Like, mm. you know, when we saw those team talks by Arteta, you know, yeah, I was like, okay, well, this is a bit you know, cheesy. It's a bit like sports But then I'm like, well, that's what these kids respond to. <laughs> they, you know, all they see, they're 20 year old. They get, they get these talks and we think, oh, this is a bit cringe because it's like a sports movie, but they haven't watched those sports movies. They don't know any of this stuff. They, and even if they, they have, it's life. That's life, stuff, right? Yeah. That's what they're, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. this is their life. And it's, it's so hard to just appreciate how they see the world for good and for bad, I guess. And um, they, yeah, it. I do see them as humans, but I see them as humans in a very different way. I mean, I kind of always appreciated this, but it generally made me realise that, yeah, these, they're just very, very different human beings to what, yeah, the life that you and I have had. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. Totally agree. Um, cool. So look, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the show because... It, yeah, it seems like some very interesting things happen uh, that haven't been uh, covered in the f- in the first few episodes. So, yeah, I think the next episode's out on Thursday. The next few episodes are out on Thursday. So look oh, nice. Um, obviously, yes. You obviously you went. You you had a sneak preview, didn't you? You were at the screening. I think we discussed that in the last episode, didn't we? You, 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 uh, pretty sure we discussed it in the last episode. Did we? I don't know if we did. I think it might have been the day before the screening. Ah. Okay. Well, I went to the screening. That was great. I saw it a good five hours before the rest of the world. That's true. That's true. And, you know, like, that, that, was, that was pretty fun, wasn't it? Because there was quite a few different content creators and people who were there. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit weird. So there's a premiere the day before. And I think the A-listers got to go to that. Um, but then the members and like the Arsenal content creator guy, Frim, Frimmy, who was there and um yeah they were it was just pretty good i mean i think they hired out the whole cinema and it, but it wasn't full like they had three screens but the screen i was in was probably only about 25 percent full oh really so um yeah a lot of space is spread out we got some free popcorn which was nice um and then yeah just watched yeah it was just basically like watching it on a big tv <laughs> um yeah and you so it's exactly a show yeah. that's made for cinema yeah yeah, yeah exactly and then you go home and and that's that very good very good all right cool listen um it's a really good chat Oof, we always say it's so much nice recording after a win so hopefully we'll record uh, after another win next time aaron and thank you very much for joining mate everyone thank you so much for listening to us if you can please if you did like the episode like share subscribe we really appreciate please. it we yeah do. please um it, it's it means a lot so thank you and we will talk to you soon all right bye guys